The following episode of Hide and Seek contains graphic content. Viewer discretion is advised. Other than the coworkers that Nancy was seeing, was there any other people that you guys came across that she possibly can could have been dating? Because I know Tanano is a very small town, um, but you guys are just south of Seattle, right? Yeah. So, I mean, was she going up there and meeting any other people going out to bars up there, or was she kind of staying local? Everything indicates local, you know, because we found her credit cards and all that stuff, and she was really, she was really high in debt, like fifty grand in debt. Most of the stuff that she she charged was local. It was, you know, if it was any large stuff, it was local. Like I said, when she had that supposedly um, threesome with those two errands from work, that was down in Portland. Oh, was it? But that was like a year prior to her disappearing. Did you talk to the to the two errands? So the one guy is in another country, so I wasn't able to talk to him. But I talked to the main main errand. Weird, weird stuff. Are you able to even give a, the errand that's in a different country a call, or is that? No, I don't. I don't have a means to get. I don't have a contact info for him or nothing. Impossible to, to track him down. She's a like a pagan Searching places That I never go Destroy walls Within his bones But ain't no rock Can stop me from getting through If you Ben Elkins shared with me that before Jim Roth, there was another man Nancy had been romantically involved with at the DOE. Now, before we get into who this first man is, I want to catch you up on my progress with getting more information about Jim. We know Jim and Nancy were supposed to have gone on a date the weekend she went missing. Whether that was specifically Friday or Saturday, we don't know for sure since his testimony changed. I also told you that my only angle at this point to knowing more about Jim was to contact his ex-wife so I gave her a call and left a voicemail. At this point in time, she hasn't returned my call yet, but I was able to reach out to the older of Jim's two sons. I don't want to use his real name, so I'm going to call him Adam. I sent him a text message. Here's how it went. Hello, my name is James Basinger, and I'm trying to get in touch with Adam Roth. Is this his cell phone? Yes, it is. What about? Hey, Adam. I'm a podcaster doing research on a story I'm working on here in Washington, but I just want to make sure I'm speaking to the right Adam. Is your dad's name Jim Roth? Oh, what's the story about? Assuming Jim is your dad, my podcast is about the disappearance of Nancy Moyer. This March is the 10-year anniversary of her disappearance. I'm trying to gather the facts about the case before we start releasing my episodes next month. What I'm trying to avoid is saying something that is inaccurate and misleading with all parties involved in Nancy's case. I was hoping to speak with you and ask some questions I have about your dad that you may or may not be able to answer. 
No pressure, Adam. If you're willing to, I'd greatly appreciate it. Oh, I wouldn't really know anything about that. Sorry. Good luck, though. No worries, I understand. I just want to make sure your dad is the right gym I'm referring to. You're aware of Nancy's story, correct? Nope. I was able to verify and cross-reference that I did in fact have the right person. Knowing this, I had to ask, did he really just say that? He has no knowledge regarding Nancy's disappearance. But then again, is it really fair to assume that he should? This happened 10 years ago after all. The Roth family didn't live in Tenino, and most kids his age at the time wouldn't have been too interested in news stories around the area, especially if their own families didn't talk about it. Some time went by after my initial text message. After receiving Nancy's case file and getting some more specifics about the detective's conversation with Jim, I wanted to try my luck one more time and message Adam again. Hey Adam, I just wanted to reach back out to you about Nancy's case. Were you aware that you were your dad's alibi in regards to the case I'm working? Radio silence. No response from Adam since I last reached out to him weeks ago. I'm still trying to contact Jim's ex-wife to see if we can speak. But if she denied the detectives from interviewing her sons regarding Jim's alibi, there's a good chance she never shared with her sons about Nancy's disappearance, much less that their dad was at one time a suspect in the case. If this is true, I can only imagine she's not happy with me sharing that information about Jim with her son. And to add to that, I'm thinking she's probably not willing to speak with me at this point. I'll continue my attempts to speak with her and keep you guys posted. Back to the mystery man Nancy had been seeing. One of the questions I had for Detective Elkins was if there were other persons of interest in the case who also worked at the DOE. He told me that before Jim, there was one specific individual that Nancy did spend some time with outside of work and had strong feelings towards. The co-workers that worked at um, Department of, of Ecology, Washington State, and a lot, a lot of the co-workers were a little odd as well. I mean, this one guy that supposedly dated her and had sex with her, he was like, it was like a fishing, a fishing pond for him. He could date anybody he wanted in the organization. He was like the stud. It was, it was weird. Yeah, and and he and he was very narcissist about it. So he, he would he'd tell you, matter of fact, he could date any girl he wanted in that organization. It was weird. I mean, when I interviewed him, this guy, this is the type of personality. I, when I'm interviewing him, doing push-ups and, and stretches what? on the floor. Oh, yeah. I mean, odd, man, very odd. You know, this is Aaron. His name's Aaron. He was one of the Aarons. Supposedly, Nancy had, an, had a, a threesome with two Aarons that she worked with. And, and she had a tattoo on her back. I'm sure you, you probably saw that or heard that, read that. Supposedly, she had had a threesome with these two errands from work, and then she had a tattoo on her back, and that was supposed to be symbolizing that that relationship. There was no way to verify that. It was just someone said. It was it was, it was interesting. That's what was hard about the case. You know, you can never get the, the source of where some of the information came from. In Nancy's case file, Bill states that Nancy confessed to him that she was interested in someone else and wanted to separate. Bill didn't know who this man was. In episode one, I told you that I read an AMA session on Reddit Sam Moyer started. One of the questions was about the juicy fruit double mint tattoo Nancy had gotten and what the meaning behind it was. Sam's response was, when I was taking a bath with my mom one day, I asked about that tattoo and what she said was, it represents her and a guy she's seeing. He's double mint and she's juicy fruit. I have no idea who she was talking about. 
could the man represented in the tattoo Sam is referring to, and the man Bill mentions in Nancy's case file, be the same guy? Did Aaron ever say why they went down to Portland to do that? Um, they went for a show. There was a, uh, I think it was some type of musical show or something, because um, the other Aaron, I can't remember his name, but he was, like I said, he was like in productions, so yeah. they went down for a show. I think he was working it or something. and I, think, I want to say it was a band or something, some type of band. So how how did you come about the information of that they actually had a threesome? That was through other coworkers that Nancy oh, had told. Wow. Her boss was told that a couple other people. She had a she had a good friend that worked there that she had told. So it was it was a matter of her she was basically I wouldn't say bragging about it, but she was she enjoyed it. She really she liked she really liked Aaron. And yeah. you know, and and then to do that with him and the other Aaron was, was something that she well, I mean, the word was she got a she got a tattoo, so it was pretty significant to her. We asked her sister about you know the tattoo because you know her sister didn't know that. Her sister had no clue that that was what the tattoo was for. That was one of those things that just blew her away. It was like what she did what she got a tattoo for doing. It was just you know unbelievable to her. I think I saw on the Reddit post that Sam had been writing on that she asked her mom about a tattoo that she'd recently gotten. I can't remember what, what specifically it was. It was like a she told, hers. yes, and that it was the significant to a boyfriend of hers. Yeah, it was significant to Aaron. Oh, that's, that's what it was? Yeah, because she, she was their juicy fruit is the way it was told. And, and she was in the middle. The juicy fruit was in, in the middle. And then I, I can't remember what the tattoo was offhand, but it had two two other tattoos on the side, and that, that was significant to both Aaron's. Unfortunately, we couldn't ask her to verify that or find out where she got it from or, you know, or if huh. she was winning to verify why she got that. It was just, yeah. you know, rumor was that's what she said. Did Aaron say that they had already planned on doing this when they went down there? No, he denied all that stuff. It was it was interesting. He denied having a threesome. He didn't deny having sex with her, but he denied having a threesome, and he denied the tattoo having any type of significance. I find it hard to believe that Nancy would go to the point of making up this elaborate story or fantasy, share it with others, and then get a tattoo to commemorate it when, at the end of the day, it's all just based on a lie? I did my research and did some digging around to find out more about Aaron Huntley. After sending multiple text messages to wrong numbers, I finally got a hit. When I made contact with Aaron Huntley, I asked if we can do an interview. This is Aaron. Hey, Aaron, James Basinger. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yourself, James? Doing all right. Doing all right. I have to apologize. I'm a little sick right now, so if I sound a little stuffed up, I'm under the weather. No, no worries. Didn't I grow up in California? I'd like to point out, even though Aaron was considered a person of interest, our first phone conversation lasted over two hours. Obviously, I'm not going to play the entire audio recording, but I want to emphasize Aaron wasn't hesitant to open up or to answer any questions I had, unlike many others who I've reached out to. And how did you get introduced to Nancy? I guess she was just an acquaintance. I, I, I kind of felt oddly, uh, what do I say? In my job, I kind of knew everybody. Uh, by doing the facility maintenance stuff um, and working on the cubicles, I kind of knew everybody in the building. Was she already separated from Bill? Um, honestly, that's kind of what gets a little bit odd, I think. Because I don't know that she was. And when, when I had met her or not, and then I'd also kind of heard a bit of a story where 
she not that i was a reason she separated from her husband but that that was kind of a partial factor do you feel comfortable touching on that a little bit like when you say a partial factor i i guess one way to put it would be at some point i think nancy and i kind of had a crush on each other it seemed like from from there I, i mean we just had a crush on each other and made acquaintances but i think it was after that time or in that time that she was either going through the divorce or was was a reason for the divorce. So you're saying that she possibly could have been on the way out the door and you were kind of, you were there and, and she enjoyed the maybe the attention and the flirting that was going back and forth. And so she was kind of already in the process, but it was kind of the thing that tipped it over for her that she just kind of wanted to enjoy life and do her own thing. So I've heard that. I don't know if that, that was the case or not, you know, because I, I never had asked or, or would, would have prompted or promoted that. But that was something that just kind of came out in the process of hearing uh, as things came out. That was always tough for me because, again, that was never my intentions with her or to have her separate from her husband or anything like that. So, but that was just something I had heard. I mean, did you guys ever date? Um, we, not really, no. But I think that, again, this is where things get really confusing because I think that there were times where she had claimed to others that we had dated and then... Also, her and I at some point did end up eventually kind of going out, uh, like on a date, but not dating. There, I remember a, a specifically a weekend kind of getaway with her, um, and then there wasn't much after that. I mean, I, I would assume that a girl, if you're physical with her, even though you haven't made it concrete, say, hey, you know, we're together, right? Dating, exclusive, exclusive yeah. You guys never had that conversation, but you guys, were you guys physically intimate with each other? Uh, yeah, we had been. So that's probably why she was telling her girlfriends or her friends that kind of claiming that without saying it between the two of you. Yeah, I think I know what you're saying, but yeah. Were you guys seeing each other when she had disappeared? I, I think a better way to kind of put it was, you know, like when, when was the last time we slept together before that happened or is, is that? Yeah, let's start there. Honestly, I don't, I don't know the answer or don't recall. I would hope like in the police report or through if you've got any investigation reports, some of that stuff could be double checked or looked at. And I don't know if that stuff is in there or not. One thing I've been trying to figure out was, you know, who were the men she was involved with? Because I mean, that's, yeah. that's who you gotta, that's where I think you need to look at. And because there could be the just random guy, but it could also be a lot of a lot of the times it's somebody who you're intimate with and they get jealous or they want revenge. And Yeah. It, oddly, what kind of happened, in, in, and so some of this is coming from my perspective right now and some of this is coming from what I'm trying to recollect from that time and even the situation, like whether it was uh, interviewing with the police or just other things that had happened at that time. But something that kind of came out in the whole situation was that she was, I don't know if promiscuous is the right word, but I never knew her to be that way, or I didn't assume she was that way. When her and I had conversations or emails, it didn't, it wasn't, I wouldn't say we were exclusive, but I just didn't get the idea she was fully promiscuous. And then I kind of heard back that she was, or was dating a lot or slept around. And I never I never got that impression from her. I always thought she was very reserved, very, and, and she could have been fooling me. But I, I think I felt like that was a pretty honest insight into her that she, she just, she didn't seem to be that that way. From what Ben told me about the threesome in Portland, I think he said he, and like like yourself, he he had to kind of 
second guess who had told him, but he thought it was Bev and maybe her coworkers that had shared that information with Detective Ben. Nancy's sister didn't didn't know that that's something that she had done. Ben said that you said it didn't happen. Uh, so that's where that there there's just odd anomalies, but. I, at the time at Ecology, I was working with a co-worker. It was Aaron and, and myself, Aaron and Aaron. And I think she had a crush on me primarily, but somehow the idea of the three of us, I think, was an, an idea in her head. Aaron would not be into that. Between Nancy and I, Nancy and I would have talked, like emails or just or talked to each other. And, and it wasn't a, a main topic of discussion by any means, but if it came up, I always kind of would have just said, you know, no big deal or whatever or, or downplayed it. But that also never happened. The other Aaron, he had wanted nothing to do with her at all and would avoid her, her work area, would avoid her completely because he just did not want to be associated with that. He didn't mind that he and I were friends and, and hung out and did all that stuff, but he didn't want any part of it. Is that is that how you felt because she started saying it happened, or was that feelings towards her prior to that? Uh, I think those those feelings prior to to that. I think that he just I think he was in a relationship already with with another gal, and so you know he didn't want there'd be any misconstrued ideas about where you know where he stood in the situation. So even though I knew that standpoint. I don't know that Nancy fully knew that standpoint, and I think she still kind of believed something different. And again, even I think what she even may have told coworkers was not what was actually happening. Do you know? Do you remember what she was telling coworkers? I think that this would have been—I don't know the time frame-wise, but I think closer to before her disappearance. I think she would have been the way I would say it is let more led people on to what she might have been thinking or wanting than what would actually was happening. But you you are saying like you are confirming that the three of you guys did go down to Portland together? No, it was just Nancy and I that went to Portland. Oh, see, yeah. Ben told me that it was the three of you guys went down there, so that's not true at all. No, that's not accurate. I don't think that I I'd, I would have to ask Aaron or double check, but I'm nearly positive he did not go down you I'm he didn't go down there. It was just Nancy and I. You know, I never fully committed to like her as a girlfriend or that we were going to specifically do something. And so I still valued or wanted to have my time alone or to do my own things. And so we really didn't create any good boundary. And so uh, there were times where we wouldn't talk for weeks and weeks. Did you ever go to her house? Uh, I did go out there. Yes. I think once or twice. To pick her up or just go inside? Oh, I'm trying to remember what happened. Um, I may have only been out there once. And then uh, I think we just went out to hang out. And I think that's all we did. I mean, well, we went to her house and we hung out. I don't think I don't think I spent the night. Did you guys get physically intimate there? I think we did. And the reason why I'm asking is only because there's this perception that Nancy didn't let any guys come over. I, I'm thinking, you know, obviously if the girls were there, her daughters, I think that that's probably where she stood. But I'm also believing that because she knew she had the house for herself and the girls weren't there, that she would probably be a little bit more open to having someone come to her house. Yeah. I, I, so I did go, I, I can't try to remember the details of it and they're just not coming to me. But I, I think that it was, I mean, I knew that she was either, she was divorced and separated and so I tried to kind of approach the whole thing as lightly as we could and not even stating these things, but 
remin how would I say just sort of just in, in my own way an undertone of like you're newly newly divorced and you're or separated and you have these girls and I had a son or I had my son at the time neither one of us was trying to make plans I think it was just kind of living in the moment or trying to enjoy these little bits we could and so I think even even at that time I think that I knew that being at her house meant something different. I knew that I knew that she, how much she did care for her family and and just cared about herself and everything else that I wasn't trying to disrupt her world. But nonetheless it felt like it was or that this was a part of it. I wanted to not be some that part of it. I, I respected her space and and those those things or that there was no uh, there was no potential like end game per se. It was just where where are things right? And again, without stating them, I don't, these are conversations I would have had with her. But that was the tone that I tried to set. Just that, and, and I think something else kind of came up about. I remember in hanging out with her because I didn't know even what my intentions were or wanted to be. That that there were just subtleties and awkwardnesses. I mean, it just felt like a really young new thing that we just didn't even know what was going on. You mentioned earlier that you thought you had been over at least once to her house to hang out. Um, yeah. How close was that to her disappearance, if you if you can remember? I I do not remember offhand, but that don't let me or that discredit her. I, that's where again I think there's some guilt or some some hard feelings on my part that there are things that I probably should have done differently at that time, and I don't know that the, that hopefully an outcome would have been different or that this. You know, I, I don't know. There's just some hardships with that whole thing that 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 weigh on me from it. Why? Why do you think, Aaron, that you feel that almost like in a way you're carrying this weight of guilt? I think that for me, it would have been I would also I'll maybe even say aggressively flirting with someone, and then that person changes their feelings towards you know, like say her husband or or other people, and that that has some outcome on this. Does yeah. that make sense? You feel and, you're, you're flirt, you flirting with her could have encouraged her decision-making on leaving Bill, which then she would never be in the situation she was in when she disappeared if she was with Bill. Or that my influence in any way changed or lowered a standard. Or I, I think that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And, and that's tough. And I don't know that that's factual. It's, and it's a part of it, I think, through some of the investigation just that kind of came out that, that really made me reassess or try to deal with and, and still try and deal, deal with what, what happened sort of the idea of leading someone on and that's not what I intended to do or wanted to do you've never talked to her family um no I haven't did you so when Bev started putting on these search parties and everything were you involved in going out and looking um I wasn't uh and I think I'm gonna guess that Nancy and I had already not been around each other in a while enough that when it happened, I kind of knew I had no part in this. So what can I do that, that is going to change this? Do you think going on the search parties, I mean... I, I don't think... What would I say? Towards, especially at the end, or by the time Nancy was disappearing, there, there was probably as much kind of animosity towards her built up, not in a negative way, but just animosity built up as there was any feelings for her. Because I, I kind of, at the time, I think we felt like we kind of had our shot, tried to do what we could, and we were already kind of walk, now walking separate paths. And so when she disappeared, I mean, it, it's, it's extremely unfortunate, but I just didn't know how, what part of that I could be involved with. But almost at, at kind of in that same breath, at the same time, knowing that her and I had 
some kind of a relationship. I just not that I knew it was coming. I didn't have any trouble wanting to answer questions or help how I could, but I didn't know what, what I could do to help. Possibly go on the search party. You know, yeah, that, well, fair, fair enough now, James. At the time, though, to, to kind of look at the story, there, there was a, like I said, there was kind of a mix of, of animosity already built up where at the time I kind of remember Aaron saying to me, just like, you know, almost a, upset because he knew like, well, shit, now they're going to look at you or me or some problem. And he's like, I told you this is that she's not, not, not that she's not a good person, just that, that there's bad, not bad things. You know, I don't know how to, to relate that. He just kind of knew that there was something going to, something going on that wasn't going to be good. And Aaron has nothing to do with this. He wanted nothing to do with any of it. He and he and I are great friends, but he wanted nothing to do with it, and had not only not had nothing to do with it, but kept himself as separated from it as he could. Unfortunately, and, and it's still kind of a, an extreme hardship for him, but that that he or we get lumped into this, and especially him. I mean, I'm not my actions. I have to be accountable for, and for that's where I feel bad as a friend to him that. Because of even my friendship with him and my my connection with him, that that he got tied to this. When Nancy was kind of going around and talking about the the threesome that you guys had, did you ever confront her on it? Did I ever confront her on it? Um, is this is it's not not disturbing, but in a weird way, I didn't really mind because it, it stayed in tight circles for where it was, and I I wouldn't say that I I, I definitely did not. What would I'm trying to say, I definitely did not like promote it, but I didn't care. It wasn't a big deal to me. And I think even for Nancy and I, like as we started or tried to explore a sexual relationship, it was just between her and I, but that was, it, it was open-ended. Like it didn't, that didn't mean one thing or another to me or what I thought to her. So I didn't mind that she said that per se. So I wasn't going to pour water on that fire or didn't pour water on that fire. And, and again, I think that those are parts of this whole situation that, our hardships back on me or poor decisions that, that, that I still have to try and figure out. It, 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 you just can't even expect these things to happen or to happen to someone that you knew. So when that, when that rumor was being spread around and did the other Aaron, did he, cause you said he, you thought maybe he was in a relationship. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he was at the time, but I mean, so it, it annoyed him or it pissed him off. Usually we had other things we had to work on or do. And so you just, you know, I just, I would just tell him to move on. Like it's not, it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. But again, it, it still is a, it's not a hardship between us per se, but it's, and, and again, I, I would say between you and I or whatever, but I mean more better on Aaron for to, to recognize these things and, and to stay separate from it. Unlike myself who involved in it is the wrong word, but allowed myself to, to be mixed up in it. Strange inconsistencies between Aaron's and Nancy's perception of the relationship. A question I had was about her tattoo and the meaning behind it. Double mint juicy fruit. Why would this man now deny this whole incident? One of the tattoos she got on her was in representation of, of our relationship. Was that the juicy fruit? Yeah. That was, that was about the threesome? Yeah, but the threesome never happened. So the juicy fruit... She was the juicy fruit in the middle. You've heard that, right? Well, no. I think that she has two names on there. It was juicy fruit and something and double mint. Right. And you and Aaron were supposed to be the double mint, and she was the juicy fruit in the middle. I don't. I got. I got the impression. I don't know where, but that uh, those were nicknames for Aaron and I. 
Double mint? I, I don't know. That just that one of us was like juicy fruit and the other was double mint or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if you're both named Aaron and there's two double mints and she's the juicy fruit. Yeah, and I don't know. But so again, nowhere did she ever tell me she was getting a tattoo or why. Do you see that how that's odd? But somehow that's in reference to something that she said we did that never happened. That doesn't, but that's where it also not implicates me, but so somehow I'm also emotionally or tied into this in a way that I can't fully still comprehend. I don't see a girl going and faking a tattoo and the reasoning and the meaning behind it and sharing after yeah. something that never happened. So the the more the impression, yeah, I don't, so a couple things off of that note. One of them is I didn't really mind or I don't really mind. It's not that I'm sexually whatever or is so adventurous, but I just didn't mind. Uh, but the oddity again is that it didn't, that didn't happen. And I think the things that she wanted to happen, she projected like they did or sort of built her own world of who, especially her closer friends, she wanted them to think she was, even if she wasn't that way. You know, so she's going as far as saying that her to her daughter. It's just, I mean, you obviously. Uh, and, and I have a couple of things that her daughters gave to her to give to me. I still have a colored picture that they did that she said they colored for me. And I don't know that those are actual. I, mean, I, I know that Nancy gave it to me. But so I think she again, she said those things. But but I don't know, James. Did you ever meet her daughters when they were younger? No. So that's kind of like what you're talking about. Yet you've never met these girls, but her daughters drew you a picture. Yeah. My, my heart just gets heavy. It, it just, you know, honestly, James, I, you know, I think, and I didn't, again, did not intend to mislead Nancy in any way, but I just feel like there are things that are part of this that I'm connected to that, that I just don't know how to resolve or deal with or, or even make terms with. I, again, I don't know this directly related to her being missing, but it just, it's it just, I, I don't even know. I don't know what to say. You're reminding me, it's a picture that I couldn't, I still can't figure out if I'm throwing it away or, or what, what, what I have it held on to for. You still have, so then you, yeah, you still have it. Yeah. Aaron and I have had multiple phone conversations on a number of occasions at this point. I can say most of it has been positive. But I've also challenged him on a few things, such as the tattoo and what it represented, the inconsistencies between his and Nancy's memories of their relationship, and also Aaron Johns' relationship with Nancy. I've even challenged him as to why he didn't help when Bev put on the search parties. I personally feel that it's not a good look for Aaron today. He feels the same. Not once did Aaron Huntley ever say, this interview is over. I've had the opportunity to meet with Aaron on a few occasions to hear these answers face to face. There are some things that I still have a hard time believing, but nothing points to Aaron having a motive to kill Nancy. It's details of their romantic relationship, his denial of the threesome or being Nancy's boyfriend that leads me to believe it's irrelevant. Aaron broke off their relationship a year before she went missing, and it was his decision. And it's not like Aaron was happily married with kids who broke off the relationship with Nancy, the mistress and that in retaliation, Nancy was looking to wreck his married life unless he confessed about what was going on? Aaron was a single dad who didn't want to be in a serious relationship. He wanted to have fun with no strings attached. I want to take a second to say this. 
My podcast isn't about pointing out the individuals involved and what moral decisions they did or did not make 10 years ago. I recognize the weight my show may put on these individuals today. If someone looked at your life decisions, you'd probably have some things that you wish you could have done differently. As we grow up, our decision-making typically changes for the better, maybe less for some and more for others. This is also true for Nancy. She could have realized at some point leaving Bill was a mistake and possibly asked for his forgiveness and tried to reconcile their relationship. Why I point this out is because today, Aaron carries a weight on his shoulders because of what happened to Nancy. Some of it could be righteously so, flirting with a married woman, but some of it is not for him to carry. If he didn't have anything to do with Nancy's disappearance, he shouldn't be held or looked at responsible for what happened to Nancy. No one thinks when you flirt with a girl that you eventually become intimate with, she will go missing because of that. But I understand why he feels this way. I'd probably feel the same way. I also point this out for Nancy because before she went missing, she journaled some thoughts she had about where she was at in life. Before, I was the type to marry. A good girl, sober sex, good values, lived totally clean. Only one man ever touched me or saw me naked. 100% straight girls were only friends. No drugs, never. Now, I'm the type to play with and leave. No man will ever want to marry or live with a hooker, a slut, unclean. Now huge numbers of people have touched me and seen me naked, both men and women. Sex with both men and women, high sex, junky drugs, all the time. 20% gay sex, 80% straight. Aaron Huntley asked me a good question the other day that was good food for thought. There's this idea or notion that Nancy was not only going out to bars, but was also being free with men sexually. Aaron asked me, how many guys have you spoken with that actually slept with Nancy? It took me a minute to answer. Jim passed away, ex-husband Bill hasn't gotten back to me, and I can't seem to find the boyfriend referred to as Cowboy Bill. I've only spoken with Aaron. So when Nancy says in her journal, multiple men have seen me naked, maybe that's a list coming from a woman who had only slept with her husband prior to separating. In the grand scheme of things, if Nancy had slept with three different men over the course of two years, maybe she's emotionally wrecked and this idea of her sleeping around isn't what we or I have believed it to be. She does mention 80% straight and 20% gay. I have been told by private investigator Fred Dowdy that methamphetamine was and is something that still pushes through to Nino. A side note, Bernard Howe claims to have been on meth while murdering Vonda. So what junky drugs is she referring to? Aaron did say Nancy smoked weed on a couple of occasions with him. Earlier, you heard another Aaron mention, Aaron Johns. Two Aarons. Odd coincidence, right? This Aaron also worked at the DOE with Nancy and was best friends with Aaron Huntley. Nancy claims that Johns was the other man in the threesome, to which he denies ever happened, same as Huntley. A trusted source shared with me that when Huntley and Nancy's relationship came to an end, Nancy said that she was now interested in a different Aaron. I'm assuming that being Johns. So, Nancy is interested in a guy, according to Huntley, she had zero contact with. Johns apparently claimed to have no desire to be around or have a friendship with Nancy. I mean, it wasn't like she was his ex-girlfriend in Huntley, his best friend, is now hanging out with her. And the biggest one, John's leaving the country after Nancy disappeared. Either that's really bad timing to leave, or a reason for it. 
I asked around about Aaron Johns and why he left. Are you able to even give a, the Aaron that's in a different country a call, or is that? No, I don't. I don't have a means to get. I don't have a contact info for him or nothing. I was hoping an Aaron would have it, the other Aaron, but he didn't have yeah. it. So now it was impossible to, to track him down because he was that, into um, video productions or something like that. He moved away. We're talking about reaching out to him, and I don't recall if he uh, declined it or if it, if he was just never reached. I think he was actually uh, went there to uh, start a. Um, Something about um, uh, a business selling beers, different like international beers. Uh, we really wanted to talk to both of them, and uh, we only were able to talk to the one. But it seems like he left around the same time. Within a few weeks, yeah. So, but I, as I didn't know him that well at all. But the two errands hung together all the time. Hmm. Well, you'll never guess who I found. Hey Aaron, my name is James Basinger and I'm a podcaster. I saw that you moved back to the States and I have a few questions for you about Nancy Moyer and her disappearance. Give me a call back when you have a minute. Thanks. Did that just happen? I'll keep you guys posted if he gives me a call back. In the meantime, I'm excited to share with you guys this next person to the podcast. Episode one more six and then we'll go from there. Okay. Um, okay. Is that me or you? <clears throat> uh, that's your phone. Oh, dude, Sam got back to me. Sam where? Yeah, she said now she's willing to talk. I told you guys in episode one that Sam initially declined my interview, so I'm very excited to get her insight on what had happened and what she remembers. Hello? Hey, Sam? Hey. Hey, how are you? Yes, it is. All right, hi. To say I was nervous would be an understatement. Having the opportunity to speak with Nancy's daughter... I was pretty nervous about this going into it just because I knew a lot of the details of Nancy's personal life that I'm not sure Sam was aware of. I started off just with the basic information about what had happened. What you remember uh, about how everything happened, can we just start there? Yeah, so it was just like any other uh, weekend. Uh, My dad picks us up on Thursday night and then we spend from... Thursday night to Sunday kind of evening with him. Well, that's new to me. I told you in episode one that Nancy had saw her kids off to school Friday morning. And, I mean, I really don't remember much because it was, I wasn't, like, expecting anything to happen. We just did, like, our normal thing any family would do. And then on Sunday, it was time for us to go to our mom's house. And he was trying to get a hold of our mom that day earlier because uh, we went to like this daycare thing after school. They were like trying to figure out the payment and stuff for that. And I remember he couldn't get a hold of her all day. So he's like, okay, I'll just come in with you guys and talk to her about it. Can I ask you a question about that real quick though? Yeah. So you would, you would actually, the parenting plan or or the, the arrangement was dad would pick you up on Thursday nights and keep you for the weekend and bring you back Sunday evening? Yes. Okay. And you had mentioned, you know, he said, I was trying to get a hold of her. And, you know, without being able to contact her, he was just going to go inside with you guys to talk to, to mom, to Nancy. And did he usually just drop you off and you guys would just run off inside or? No, he would normally come inside with us, but okay. he wouldn't like stay for a while. Sure. So yeah, he went inside with us and yeah, everything was there. It was all normal, but my mom just wasn't there. So. Okay. Um, 
when you guys left to to Bill's, your dad's on Thursday night. You guys come back it's Sunday evening, like five o'clock or Yeah, around that time. She's not there and then you guys go back to Bill's house and yeah. then how much how long was it till you guys came back? I think we waited around an hour and okay. then we went back that night. And so it would have been like around six, six thirty. And she still wasn't there. So that's when we started to get like weirded out and we looked everywhere again and Everything was still where it was. It was all the same. We went back a third time that night, and again, it was just the same. And yet another detail that seems to have been miscommunicated in all of the reports that I've read. Bill going back to Nancy's house for the third time wasn't even in her case file. Now, I know that these are small details, but it's important to know them in order for us to set things straight and figure out what happened to Nancy. Do you remember what time that was you returned the third time? Yeah, it was probably around 9 o'clock. Had you guys already filed the call to 9 police department? No, uh, my dad didn't call them until the next morning. Has your dad ever, what What was kind of the reasoning behind holding off on calling until the next morning? Um, that I don't know. Do you feel like you you know majority of all the details about what they investigated and what they found, the suspects? And I mean, do you do you feel like you understand and know most of it? Um, I wouldn't say most. I'd say some of it. Like, a lot of the stuff, um, well, not a lot, but some of the stuff that they had on the uh, disappearance show, like, my dad and I didn't know. Like, we didn't know that uh, her case is now a no-body homicide. We found that out through the show. Do you know any of the names of the suspects that they were looking into? No, the only two I really know are the uh, guy that sold the meat. I don't remember his name. Bernard Howell? Bernard Howell, yeah, him. And I think his name was, I think his name was actually James. Jim, yes. Uh, Yeah, that was like at work or something, and none of us knew who he was. I actually met Bernard Howell, though. You did? to our house, yeah. Oh my gosh. So you remember, because I know that there was a lineup of men, and you guys pointed out his image specifically. You remember, like, interacting with Bernard? Yeah, I remember when he, like, pulled up and was talking to my mom. I I mean, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, And I remember we bought, like, a bunch of meat from him, like chicken, shrimp, all this stuff. Do you remember, was when he interacted with your mom, was he inside or outside? We were outside. Okay, so he never came inside the house? No. If If you could try to remember, when did that interaction happen? Was it close to when... Your mom had disappeared. Ooh. Um, I think it had to be sometime in like January because I remember it was still kind of snowy and cold out December, January around that time. So it's within two months, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Were you outside with them or were you standing from inside looking outside or? I was outside with them. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he ever interact with you? Mm, not really. I mean, like he said. Hi, but oh, yeah. pretty much it. What, did he only go there one time, or the, was it multiple times? It was just once. I told you at the end of episode three that Bernard denied ever knowing or selling meat to Nancy. I guess we could put that question whether he did or did not sell meat to Nancy to rest. Sam's able to recall not only meeting Bernard, but she even narrows it down to the time of the year based on the snow that was outside. She said it was in December or January. Remember, Nancy went missing in March. I've written Bernard quite a few times. 
I haven't got a response back yet, but I am working with people who are very close to him. I'll keep you guys posted. I continued my conversation with Sam. I don't know if you remember a guy by the name of Aaron. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about just what you know about him? I don't know much. I just know my mom would like talk about him and how she said that he was her boyfriend. And I remember I gave him a couple like pictures and stuff that I drew. And my mom seemed to really like him, but I don't, I, I've never met him. What if I told you he still has those pictures that you colored for him? Oh, really? <laughs> oh my gosh. He still, yeah, he still has them. Oh my gosh. Would you ever be interested in meeting him? Yeah, I would. You may wonder why Sam wants to meet Aaron. Here are my thoughts. Aaron represents a positive memory of her mom. Sam knows that Aaron was very important to her. She doesn't look at Aaron as being the man responsible for her mom's disappearance. And this meeting could possibly bring some sort of closure for the both of them. I redirected our conversation back to the other suspect, Jim. So let's talk about Jim. You never have ever met Jim before? No, and I, my mom didn't even like, I mean, she might have talked about him, but I, I don't remember her talking about him. So Jim worked at the Department of Ecology, obviously, with your mom, and you kind of know the story that they went on a date uh, two weeks yeah. before she had disappeared. Did she ever mention, you said she may have, but you don't recall her mentioning anything of the date to you guys? No. Did she ever talk about the guys that she liked besides Aaron? No, she didn't. Okay. Did she date a guy by the name of William? Uh, she never told me about it. Have you heard that? Yeah, I heard that. Was she pretty guarded and not letting guys come around you girls? Yes, yeah, she was very guarded about that. I I never met any of them. And I remember um, I did hear on the phone before, and I was kind of making fun of him because I, I didn't know who it was, but it was some guy that was like saying how he had fun last night and how he wants to see her again. Um, don't know if he said his name, but I remember I was like <laughs> pretending to be drunk and repeating what he said to my mom, like making fun of him because he sounded pretty drunk in the phone call. <laughs> Do you remember what time of the year this was? Like, was it close to when things happened or was it? Yeah, it was pretty close. Do you think it was like within weeks close? Yes. So who's the guy that Sam is referring to? Here's my thoughts. We know that Jim and Nancy went on a date two weeks prior to her disappearance, which lines up with what Sam is saying. I believe it's Jim. And he's possibly talking about the night where he says he couldn't perform. Now, obviously, I don't know this for sure, but I'm just putting the pieces together. But then again, there could be a mysterious guy out there that we haven't heard of yet. Did you know about the police department being investigated? No, I didn't. So if there was someone that you would trust, who would that naturally be? Friends, family, law enforcement. So all the policemen were interviewed. All except two didn't have alibis. Of those two, one of them was willing to take a lie detector test, a polygraph, and he passed. The other one refused. Okay. Next time on Hide and Seek. She didn't have a cell phone, correct? Uh, she did, but she didn't use it that often. He, Detective Elkins told me that she didn't have a cell phone. Yeah, no, she had a flip phone. She definitely had a cell phone. Really? Yeah. 
I have right off the bat that I'm trying to get an answer on that you may or may know. Um, okay. Did Nancy have a cell phone? No, she she did not have a current cell phone. Bill tries to call Nancy's cell phone, but there's a problem. Her purse was still in the house. Her cell phone, which was always with her, was still in the house. Uh, did you catch that? Yeah, I heard it. She's a like a pagan Searching places That I never go Destroy walls With endless walls But ain't no rock Can stop me from getting through If you Say I don't whisper 